So thank you everyone for coming. We were going to finish the 79th Anucheta tonight. So we're at the end of this Anucheta and Srila Jiva Goswami is making sure that his audience has a proper understanding of what exactly the Kumars experienced. He doesn't want them to be there to be any misunderstanding of exactly what is um, this experience of blissfulness that the Kumars had in association with the Lord's transcendental form. Because within spiritual life, there's always the possibility of misunderstanding things. And it's the duty of the Acharyas to make sure, according to the circumstance and the condition of their audience, that they have the deepest philosophical comprehension uh, that they can. That's why it's often said that one accepts a guru, specifically the Shiksha guru, who is a little more advanced than they are. You could say, well, I look at my guru and he's way more advanced than I am. But actually, if you can understand what he's speaking about, <laughs> comprehend the the way he's presenting the philosophy to you, if his discourse is enthusing and enlivening to your spiritual practice, then he is a little more than you advanced than you are. Uh, even the Mahabhagavat. Or what we refer to commonly as the Uttama Adhikari, he comes down to the platform of the Madhyamadhikari in order to teach his disciples. So this uh, this is the special mercy of the Shiksha Guru is he presents himself as a little more advanced. And again, that little may seem like a great distance from our comprehension of things, but understand that the Guru's presenting himself um, and presenting the philosophy in a way that we can easily comprehend it. course, in the very beginning, the neophyte devotee may not understand even the language of the guru. Uh, he may be told, well, just continue to listen. But at a certain point, uh, advancing through the stages of sadhu sangha, bhajana kriya, anartha nivriti, nista, ruchi, uh, the guru's we gradually are introduced to the language of the guru and he introduces us to the to the higher understanding and topics and he presents those just a little bit above our our level it makes us reach out a little bit uh, mentally uh, we stretch stretch our spiritual uh, uh, 
limbs, so to speak, to, to try to comprehend what he's speaking about. And often we comprehend all that he's speaking about. Uh, and that's the nature of transcendental knowledge that the bona fide spiritual master can present things in such a way that they are uh, they are comprehensible um, according to the circumstance of the audience and the uh, experience level of the disciples, the devotees. So here we can find in the Sandarbhas, Jiva also has taken us on a path gradually introducing specifically this concept in relationship to um, understanding what is Brahman and Paramatma and Bhagavan realization. And now he's Based on this one core verse, Varanti Tat Tat Bhavidas Tat Bhamyam Tat Janam Advayam, this non dual absolute truth, substance, uh, can be viewed differently, but for the one that understands the Bhagavan conception, they need to be able to reconcile that with the Brahman conception and the Paramatma conception so that they can see that ultimately, yes, Krishna is, is all of Brahman and all of Paramatma and much more. So in this section, Jiva Goswami is specifically dealing with the distinction between Brahman and Bhagavan as experienced by the Kumars. The Kumars were already Brahmavadis. They were Jivad Muktas. They were liberated souls with presenting themselves within material existence. Um, who were perfectly realized in the Brahman conception. But still, when they went to the gates of Vaikuntha, they were not granted entrance. They didn't have enough devotion to enter through that last gate and therefore the gatekeeper said just wait on wait a minute here and they were not willing to wait a moment there so if it's all one then there would have been no problem But it is all one. This absolute non-dual is all one 
and is not all one. And thus we have the core element of the philosophy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Achinta Beta Beta Tattva. It's simultaneously all one and it's distinctively different from being all one because of the Lord's internal spiritual potencies. Internal spiritual potencies of that non-differentiated, non-dual absolute. Well, that's a mouthful that will make your eyes roll. <laughs> we can understand a distinction between matter and spirit, but how do we understand distinction within spirit? If it's Satchitananda, it's Satchitananda. How could there be the distinction there. It's it's eternal, it's ever existing, it's it has all knowledge, and it has all auspiciousness, all all enjoyment. There's no negative to it. That's our understanding of spirit. It doesn't end. It has it's completely comprehensive and It's completely fulfilling. So how to understand distinctiveness within such a substance as the Supreme Absolute. Now we have no trouble with distinctiveness within the material world. It's built in. Everything has a plus and a minus. Everything here has a plus and a minus. Now it's minus, and we're all hoping it'll soon get into the plus category. You know, so sometimes hot, sometimes cold, sometimes black, sometimes white, sometimes joyful, sometimes sorrowful. And where where's that list end in material existence? It certainly seems to be endless. But it does come to an end. And that's the main characteristic of the material experience. It, everything here ends. So now Jiva Goswami is at the end of this dispelling, at the end of this Anucheta, dispelling misconceptions that may arise from certain transcendentalists, specifically the Advaitin class of Brahmavadis, who could borderline on being Mayavadis. We have no argument with the Brahmavadis. If they want to look on the abs, uh, the uh, on the energies of Krishna uh, on that complete spiritual energy, that's fine. But when they start to equate the supreme with his external potency, the material potency, 
and put those kind of mental constraints upon the supreme then they then they get close to offen- to offensive mentality which is attributed to the mayavad class attributing the characteristics of maya to the absolute we're not interested in that and they shouldn't be interested in that because if they really want to attain their fulfillment of Brahman realization, they certainly don't want to be offensive to Brahman. Yes? What aspects of the material energy are they putting limits? Well, they're putting limiting adjuncts on the Supreme. Like what? Like what? Yes. Okay. So, that's where we started with this Anacheda. The first objection that Jiva Goswami puts forward, we'll just read through it again. Let us consider for a moment that the Kumars experienced the extreme bliss upon witnessing the Lord's form was simply a condensed manifestation of the bliss of unqualified being. Nirviseswarupananda. Let us consider for a moment that the Kumar's experience of extreme bliss, because they had some extreme bliss, witnessing the Lord's form, was simply a condensed manifestation of the bliss of unqualified being. Nirviseswarup Ananda. A condensed manifestation of what they already experience in Brahman. Let us consider that. Jiva says, okay, let's give consideration to it because people could have raised the objection that that's all it was. Its density, in other words, it was condensed bliss, was more than they'd ever experienced before. It was, it was quite outstanding to them. They were overwhelmed by it in a way that their Brahman, their blissfulness in Brahman had never affected them before. Now understand that there's nothing in material nature that affects these fellas, these four young brahmacharis. They're not, effect, they're not affected by anything in material nature. Nothing makes them happy. Nothing makes them sad. It's, they're completely equal po, equal poised within material nature. Its density being due to the imposition on Brahman of certain distinguishing characteristics known as the bodies. According to this view, Bhagavan is Brahman qualified with bodies. In other words, the Brahman that appears in the mind states, the chitta of the Kumars, in other words, what, what they experienced of Brahman, um, arose out of an upadi. Now, what is our definition of upadi? It's a constraint. It's basically um, uh, an imposition upon something 
that gives us cause to look at it as having a characteristic. So Jiva's raising the question that Brahman that appears in the mind states, chitta vritti, that arises out of just a portion of pure being, Visuddha Sattva, also manifests in Bhagavan, who is condensed an undivided pure being, Visuddha Sattva. A lot of thick words here, but basically what Jiva is saying is someone could raise the objection that actually the, the bliss they experience is the same bliss. What they experienced is condensed. What that imposition was that gave them the conception of, that gave them the experience of a, a more enhanced blissfulness due the, to the Lord's form was the imposition, the upadi, of an upadi of pure sattva. Jiva just doesn't, he says, that's, that's, we can't look at this like that. We have to get credit where credit is due. The fact that they experienced an enhanced blissfulness is due to the sarup shakti of the Lord, not to an apati of the mode of goodness. And then he goes into, first of all, if you want to say that there could be a, an apati of pure goodness, he brings up some objections. I'm not going to read through all of these because it's it may be too thick. I mean, it would everything I go through, we'd have to break apart. But if sattva is to have some influence, then that sattva can't be be what is referred to as visuddha sattva, because influence means effect, cause and effect come about from the mode of passion. So you can't say that pure goodness would have an effect on the on Brahman if because that in itself would require goodness to have the influence of passion. Well, then that would be material goodness, not Vasudev Tattva, not Visuddha Sattva. Pure, purified goodness, or what we refer to as the chit potency of the absolute. Does that respond to your question? Do you So, yes. I was wondering if you could give the example of an upadi as a crystal, just for those who weren't here during the, the earlier. Well, you go ahead. What do you want to say? I don't know if I remember it exactly. But like an upadi is like if you have a red crystal and a light shines through it, then when the light comes out on the other side, wherever it's showing on, will appear red. This thing didn't turn red but it appears red from upadi of that red crystal, is that correct? That's something like an upadi. Upadi, yes, it's... Uh, uh, so they're saying that goodness, it, 
you know, they're affecting brown. They made it look like it was something else, but it's it's still just Vermont. In other words, an imposition on Vermont gave a gave the Kumars an impression in the chitta, in their the constraints of their mental pure mental, they're pure because they're Jivan Muktas. <coughs> Impressions of Brahman that resulted in form. Brahman took on a form. That Jiva just that doesn't that does, he's saying this doesn't line up at all with what they experienced. Let me read a little bit more from what he says. This is how he answers that. According to your doctrine, your doctrine being your doctrine being that you're saying that they experienced condensed blissfulness from the form of the Lord, because of a body of the mode of goodness, and an imposed some kind of imposition. They're saying that imposition was pure goodness, but pure goodness imposing on anything means that it had to be affected by rajas. But he deals with both the rajas and the pure goodness thing. But let's read what his answer is to his own objection. According to your doctrine, he's speaking to them, the supreme Brahman that manifests in the pure mind state, Brahman manifesting in a pure mind, Chittavritti in the mind, is a complete manifestation since it is agreed that Brahman Vidya, knowledge of Brahman, is established only by abandoning all traces of differentiation. In other words, you cannot enter Brahman if you if your consciousness is one of seeing distinction. That's material consciousness. Brahman realized souls don't want that consciousness of seeing a distinction. They're so undistinct, they have no sex desire, they don't see a distinction between male and female, hot and cold, good and bad. That's one of the characteristics of a Jivan Mukta, like a Sukadev Goswami, like the Kumars. And because it is impossible to attain oneness by such incomplete knowledge. Distinction being incomplete knowledge. If you make distinctions, your knowledge is not absolutely perfect. Because there is no distinction. Because what? Everything is one. Moreover, what is your intention in claiming that the upadis that characterize the Lord's forms attributes and so on are pure sattva in nature why do you why do you claim that it's, it's upadis do you mean that they are transformations of pure sattva alone 
or that they are replete with sattva? Which do you mean? That there's more sattva in the Kumar's experience of a qualified Brahman, a form of the Absolute, or that in other words, there's more sattva there holding Brahman together so that the Lord comes into a form? I mean, that, isn't that what he's saying? You know, there's more. So it's condensed spirituality coming about by the apathy of sattva. You see where he's going? He's really playing this out because really that's the only thing that that's the only argument that they can come up with that would make any sense because they do not want to give any preference to a personal conception of the absolute because giving a preference denotes what? Duality. These are non-dualists. So they have to explain it away. And he's saying, well, you can try to explain it away with Upadis, but it doesn't work. Because you're seeing distinction where there is no distinction. You're applying the distinction of purified sattva. It doesn't work. If it's having an influence on their consciousness, then there has to be rajas there. Now understand these are Vedantins. These are these are very deep thinkers. And Jiva's as deep as they are like an ocean. And he's making this these arguments on their behalf and saying, this is the best that you could possibly come up with as a Brahmavadi in argue, in argumentation of the fact that there is non-distinction between these two experiences of blissfulness of the Lord, the, the experience of Brahman, revelation, and the experience of the Lord's personal form. This is the best that you can, you're going to be able to come up with. But there's, you need to go deeper to see the reality. So let me show you the, where your argument fails. It falls on its face. Do you mean that they are transformations of pure sattva? The first opinion is not possible because, as was made clear earlier, there can be no transformation without Rajagun. There's no creation without passion. There's no, without the influence of passion, the mind cannot conceive in a creative mode. Nor is the second opinion a possible. The second opinion, it's condensed. Sattva. Since by accepting that these forms are replete with sattva, Full of, full of sattva. It implies that they are manifestations of mixed sattva, or in other words, pure visuddha would become meaningless in statements cited earlier, such as 
you accept Visuddha Sattva for maintenance. That's from the Bhagavatam 10th Canto. He goes on, or if it is granted that these Upadis are a mixture of the Gunas, because you're bringing passion in, because the passion's creating a form, you're experiencing the form, you're experiencing in the form condensed blissfulness that you're not in Brahman. So, if if it is granted that these Apatis are a mixture of the Gunas, then they would not have the ability to bestow any kind of experience of Brahman. Because they're not spirit. Then the experience is material. Is material, it's not spiritual. What to speak of Brahman qualified by form. Now you're putting form on the absolute? Like, that's, that happens in material nature. Those who put forth such ideas have forgotten the purpose of their own argument. They're like, all of a sudden, their whole philosophy is gone. Whoa! Now these upadis, these impositions, being supported by undifferentiated visuddha sattva, are also said to be of the same nature. Okay, let's. Now he said, well, maybe let's let me. There's another argument you could make. That the upadis themselves are. Pure thought, but we're pure spirit, pure, pure spirit, right? Visuddha sattva, not sattva of the Thomas, Rajas, and sattva category of material nature, but they're Visuddha sattva. They're spiritualized goodness. Okay? Now, these upadis being supported by undifferentiated. Visuddhasattva are also said to be of the same nature. Okay, so if it is claimed that the Kumars experienced Brahman through the Lord's form of undifferentiated Visuddhasattva, a state of being they had already previously realized, because they're they're Brahmavadis, they've already realized Brahman, they've already experienced it in fullness. This also is inappropriate because it is marred by the defect of Kumbro's assumption. Or in other words, the needless multiplication of causes. Understand Jiva is living in a world of Vedantic logic and bringing up arguments that may be just at the edge of our level of comprehension. But he's basically saying to the Brahmavadis who could come up with this, this whole thing relating to Sattvagun that's tinged by material nature or Sattvagun that's untinged by material nature. Well, what are you doing here then? 
if it's not tinged by material nature, we can go with that because it isn't. Because Brahman can't be tinged by material nature. It's pure spirit, right? Okay, so then you're saying, well, then it's then it's Visuddha Sattva. It's it's pure spiritual in nature. Well, if it's already spiritual in nature, and you're saying that it's condensed spiritual in nature, well, how did it become condensed? What what influence could 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 be there to make it condensed? And he's saying, when you use that kind of an argument, you're like piling on. It's either spirit and then you're piling, piling more spiritual arguments on top of what's already Brahman realization. Doesn't work. A logic, it's, it's, a, it's an untenable logic in learned circles is what he's saying. Needless multiplication of causeless. It's needless. It's needless. It's already you're already talking about Brahman. So you're going to multiply Brahman to give you a form of Brahman that gives the Kumars an experience of deeper blissfulness than what they've already experienced in Brahman. You're basically discounting what the Kumars said themselves. That if I can have that blissfulness again and make sure that I don't do anything to stand in the way of that, I'm willing to go to hell forever. Because the only way that there could be anything that would stand between me and the experience of the highest bliss in relationship with the supreme absolute form of Godhead would be if I offend devotees. So I'll go to hell forever and stay in that material condition just to avoid what would in any way impede my spiritual enjoyment of the form of the Lord. Because I just want to be like a bee at the feet of the supreme tasting that sweetness and understanding that tasting of sweetness is not like the tasting of a material enjoyment like why well, just want to because it's no cease it doesn't you can't come to an end of it it's spiritual it's ever increasing so it's not like anything material it's allowed in other words, it's sanctioned. It is a reciprocation of love with the Supreme that allows you to experience such blissfulness in his association from his form, from his hearing his words, from smelling his form, from embracing his form, from anything to do with it. <laughs> Moreover, the Kumars directly saw the Lord. As was stated, the fulfillment of their trance became apparent to their eyes. This contradicts the idea that they saw him through a succession of causes or upadis. 
they saw his form. Jiva goes on and on. In this way, it is completely refuted. I have completely refuted that there can be any material influence in the state of Sudasattva. We can understand that. So the Lord's forms are neither a transformation of material sattva, nor are they replete with it. Rather, they are manifestations of Sudasattva in which self-luminosity is an inherent characteristic. This was stated earlier and has been further clarified here. When the suggestion that the Lord's forms are a product of Upadis is negated, it naturally flows that the Kumars experienced wonderful bliss by witnessing the Lord's forms. We don't need to throw in any mental gymnastics whatsoever to understand what went on. Only if we conceive of the topmost understanding of of the of spirituality as being the Brahman conception do we need to take to the philosophy a philosophy such as a for a plot seeing a form of the absolute as being influences upon the chitta by the mode of goodness. By stating that the bliss of beholding the Lord's form defeats that of Brahman realization, it is precluded that the Kumara's absorption in the Lord's form was a mere semblance. Like the great sage Vasista's behavior, uh, this doesn't. The semblance of what? We we I skipped over things which would not make this fit. So scratch that. <laughs> I do want to get to the end of this annotata within this class. So go over a little bit of this commentary. This is a very simple simple way of looking at what's being presented here by Jiva. A further objection is proposed by the Advaitavadi interpreters. That's what's happening. They admit that the pleasure derived by the Kumaras was certainly superior to Brahmananda, but that it resulted from concentrated Brahman, i.e. the form of the Lord, and not from anything other than Brahman, such as the Sarup Shakti of the Lord. In other words, they're not willing to accept that Brahman has any differentiation, mm. spiritual differentiation. They, they have a hard time conceiving of the Supreme having anything but a homo, a, 
a homogenous presentation. So when you say the Supreme has Shaktis, spiritual Shaktis, they have a hard time with that concept. They say that just as Brahman is experienced by the, in the pure heart, the form of the Lord, which is nothing but solidified Brahman, can also be experienced in the pure heart. The extra pleasure derived is due to the apati present in the concentrated form. You've put an imposition on the Lord you've, of the Brahman and you've given, given it form. And that form, you're experiencing a, an additional blissfulness from that form. But that blissfulness has come about by well, you have to make up something now, don't you? You're saying it's concentrated goodness. It's an overabundance of spiritual goodness is one thing you say. Or the form itself came about by goodness. But if it's material good, the only way that that form could manifest would have to be with some passion. Otherwise, there's no creation of form. There's no actual difference between water and ice. But in certain circumstances, like in the heat of summer, ice gives more pleasure. It's a nice example. Concentrated water into a little ice in the summer is more pleasant than just water. Similarly, there is no difference between Brahman and the Lord, but his personal, personal form may sometimes appear more attractive. However, water becomes solid owing to the body of coldness. It is not its natural state. Similarly, when a jnani has a soft heart, Brahman appears to him in a personal form, but the ultimate reality remains as unqualified Brahman. These are arguments that the Brahmavadis put forward. Oh, well, you have a soft heart. So you see Brahman as having a form. And you're attracted to that form. And you feel prame. You feel love for that form. That's okay. But that soft heart of yours is not letting you fully understand the absolute truth. These are their arguments. This is the way they think. And this is, this is important for us to comprehend. Thus the Advaitans, Advaitavadis claim is the significance of the spiritual statements that propound the identity of Brahman and Bhagavan. This, the Advaitans claim, is the significance of the scriptural statements that propound the identity of Brahman and Bhagavan. This explanation has the beauty of philosophical brevity. There is no need to accept any complicating factor or extra item like the Swarup Shakti. Simple. You can impose a, an upadi 
that condenses Brahman into a form, just like condensing water into an ice cube, and it may seem more pleasing. Or your, soft, your heart may be soft, and you can conceive of Brahman as having a form. And it may, to you, seem like condensed Brahman in a form. But really, when you wake up to the reality of the absolute truth, the absolute truth in its ultimate reality is undifferentiated Brahman. They can't explain where this form comes from. Mm. So they have to make up things. Oh, it comes from an upadi. Oh, it comes from a soft heart. Oh, it comes from a concentrated concentration of spirituality. It can't come from the Lord's internal potency, another spiritual shakti. But he can't have an internal potency, right? For the Brahman body. No, Brahman has no differentiations. In response, and this is the important part, Shijiva Goswami says that it is impossible for Man to manifest as Bhagavan with the help of Apadis. It doesn't work that way. The question is, what is an Upadi? Jiva says that according to the Advaita Vad doctrine, an Upadi or limiting adjunct can be either a modification of Sutta Sattva or be replete with Sattva. Of course, for Advaitavadis, it goes without saying that this sattva is material. However, according to Sankhya as well as Vedanta, no modification is possible without Rajagun. So we've covered most of those things. This is the very end of the 79th Anucheda. Therefore, let us acknowledge for a moment the view that it is specifically in the state of living liberation Jivan Mukta, that the Lord's form, which is reflected in the Upadi of knowledge, is more densely luminous than Brahman. Yet statements such as they do not regard even unlimited ultimate liberation as your mercy explicitly reveal that even in the state of final liberation, known as Videha Mukti, or liberation from embodied existence, which is completely free from all apodis, the Lord's form is considered superior. So, the concluding remarks are, Therefore, on the authority of the experience of these learned sages, we can say, 1. Bhagavan and his internal opulences are purely blissful. If we look back to the verses and think of it, their prayers after the experience, the Lord's internal potencies were somewhat manifested to them, not even fully manifested. They experienced one uh, Vibachari Bhav, right? Not all of them. I think there's 32. They experienced one, huh? an anxiousness. And anxiousness, they wouldn't be able to see this form anymore. <laughs> Why would they have that if the form was simply an imposition upon Brahman, which they experience ha happiness of all the time? 
And couldn't they just create it? If, if it was a chitta and a vritti. Like they'd be able to call upon it any time. Yes, of course. That's a very good point also. Two, being so, they are condensed luminosity surpassing even that of Brahman. Condensed luminosity, condensed spirituality. In other words, the Lord, his form and abode and everything up to this point in the Bhagavat Sandarbha that's been presented to us to try to give us a glimpse into what is matter and what is spirit. Not, but much more than a glimpse, an in-depth comprehension that that spiritual form of the Lord surpasses Brahman in every respect. And that this transcendental variety is having a form, is having an abode, is having associates, him experience him exchanging with his associates Leela, engaging in Leela, and, and exchanging love, praying. All that is coming about by his Swarup Shakti, not because of some limiting adjunct on Brahman, coming about by Purified goodness. No. Doesn't make sense. This conclusion of this section of one this one Anuchet is as follows. These are the points. And if you think back about everything we've covered in how many classes on the 79th Anuchetta, there are six points. Bhakti Ananda is superior to Brahmananda. Any one objection? Any objection to that? Two, even liberated beings are attracted by devotional service. Well, these are the supreme liberated beings here. Bhagavan's body abode attributes, ornaments, associates, and paraphernalia are transcendental and are manifestations of the Swarup Shakti. His form is as well? Yes. Body, abode, attributes, ornaments, associates, and paraphernalia. For Bhagavan's form is not a product of a potties in Brahman. None of this comes about by some limiting adjunct. It comes about by the unlimiting adjunct of the Swarup Shakti. Vasudha Sattva means the chit potency. Satchitananda. So when we say Visuddha Sattva, we should see it for what it is. Visuddha Sattva means pure knowledge, the, law, the, the cognition of the Absolute. Bhakti is not a mental state, but the internal potency of the Lord. What's that mean Bhakti is? Shrub Shakti. Any questions? Thank you so much for your association.